Hello and welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. My name is Lizzie. And my name is Stacia. And we are your friends in all things weirdness wellness. Damn it. Fuck. <laughs> God. <laughs> Why can't I do it? Wellness weirdness. I give up. I give up. I give up today. This is our second take, guys. This is this is Monday for us. Okay. Monday, Monday. <laughs> We are your friends in wellness weirdness. <laughs> I will get this right one day for you. I wish you guys had seen Stacia's face when she said that was like so sheer pain. focus. Okay. Hello, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Happy, happy day. <laughs> I was going to say happy Monday, and then I was like, no, this comes out on Wednesdays. Um, anyway, today we are talking about self-esteem dun, dun, dun. because... Stacia read a really good book about self-esteem and it inspired some awesome conversation between the two of us. And we were planning out our next couple episodes and we were like, why don't we just get Stacia to talk about the self-esteem book that she read and educate us on self-esteem. So Stacia, take it away. So what really inspired this, like honestly, self-esteem is something that's been a huge focus for me over the past few years because essentially recovery from codependency is a self-esteem building program. I was realizing that like for a majority of my life, I had never really been taught or told what actual self-esteem was. Mm, and yeah. so I realized there's really a lack of information that's actually useful when it comes to building self-esteem and like people don't really talk about it in a meaningful and concrete way. And it's hard to find good information out there. And I was like, dude, people need to learn more about this because if we actually knew how to build our self-esteem, it's not about what you can accomplish or obtain or how you look. It's really something that is truly available to anybody. And so it's just something that is obviously really important to me and has changed my life as I've like built up my own self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, in the first version of this podcast that we were recording that I deleted, um, Stacia was sharing that she was looking for some articles, like supplemental articles that we could share and that not a lot of them were very helpful. And I will say, I also was doing some prep for this episode episode and everything that I found just felt like it was really basic or a lot of fluff. Like I didn't find a ton of helpful information. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to pick your brain and just hear what you've learned because I know like in the last couple of weeks, I feel like you have really had a light bulb moment around self-esteem. So Stacia, let's just get right into it. What is self-esteem. So in this book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon, which is the book that we were re referencing just a few moments ago and is a book that I think is really such an amazing, thorough resource for actual self-esteem. And in fact, once I found this book, I found it because in Bell Hooks, All About Love, which is one of my favorite books ever, she references this author and talks about self-esteem a lot in it. And I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. I need to read this book because I love all the snippets she's including. So I got a hold of it and I like haven't been able to put it down. I read it every night and every morning and it really is such a useful resource. So for him, self-esteem Steam has two interrelated components. So the first one he talks about is self-efficacy, which means confidence in the functioning of my mind, in my ability to think, understand, learn, choose, and make decisions. Confidence in my ability to understand the facts of reality that fall within the sphere of my interests and needs, aka self-trust, self-reliance. 
and that self-respect means assurance of my value, an affirmative attitude toward my right to live and to be happy, comfort in appropriately asserting my thoughts, wants, and needs, the feeling that joy and fulfillment are my natural birthright. And I just like loved this because you can actually do something with this. It's not like, oh, it's how you see yourself. I'm like, well, what if you see yourself poorly? (laughs) Like, (laughs) then what do you do? (laughs) And so I really, really appreciated reading this. Like, there's so many correlations between the work I've been doing in codependency recovery. And so it just overlaps really nicely and actually gives you some tangible stuff. So I thought that was a pretty neat definition. Yeah, I love that. And it is like, It's so much more in depth to your point than I feel like my first perception or what we're maybe taught to perceive self-esteem as is just like, do you like yourself or do you not like yourself, (laughs) right? But everything that you said, like your belief in yourself to be able to do hard things or trusting that you deserve good things as an inherent right is like, that makes so much sense. And I also think that's so similar to the messaging in wellness that you and I keep talking about that we're really drawn to. And it's like, oh, this is the common thread. It's related to self-esteem. So before like diving into all of your codependency work and reading this book, how did you perceive self-esteem? Like what was your idea of what it was? Well, it certainly wasn't one that was very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Same girl, same. (laughs) Yeah. For me, when I think back to like my big fitness transformation, for me, I was like, oh, I'm feeling really good about myself because of the way I look. Right. And so now I should feel better about myself. And then I'm like, cool, now I have the hot boyfriend. Like, so now I should feel better about myself. Oh, I got the job I wanted. So now I should feel better about myself. And guess what? None of those things made me feel better about myself. Right. And so I think that they can offer like fleeting senses of comfort, but as far as like actual self-esteem, they really did not do anything for that. And what I realized in hindsight, that was why I understood at the end of my transformation, I was like, oh, if I had woken up in this body, I would still be the same exact Stacia because it isn't the physical transformation that made me feel more worthy. It was me showing up for myself consistently, making a commitment and building trust in myself through honoring that commitment that I made to myself. It really is, uh, I think, there's so much missing from what is being talked about around self-esteem. And so I think that's why I get so fired up because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had been given this information, this knowledge years ago, if somebody would have just told me like, hey, Stacia, you're suffering from really low self-esteem and this is why you keep making the decisions that you're making. And I'm like, wow, that would have been a really helpful diagnosis. Yes, (laughs) I do feel like there are some things like that in life where it's like, oh, if someone had told me, yeah, like you have low self-esteem or I remember once I learned that I had like clinical anxiety I was like wow if I had just known all of this time that this was anxiety and not like just how life is supposed to be right like things would have gotten so much easier and so I do feel like there are certain things like this that once you know it you're like why the hell didn't anyone tell me this earlier but also okay now I know and I can't unlearn this so yeah I do think it's You just are making me think so much about like what we teach young girls and young boys about self-esteem and just like how that evolves as we get older and 
I know you have some thoughts on even just other adults or like world leaders and their self-esteem. So I think that that's just like it's everywhere and it impacts Mm -hmm. all of us so deeply. It's really interesting when you start to look at the world and others through a lens of like, I wonder where this person's self-esteem is. Mm, Yeah. It's really cool, too, because in this book, he gives a lot of examples of like, well, you can see somebody who is super successful and doing all these great things for their life, but they still have super low self-esteem. So you can still accomplish a lot. But he makes the difference that like, but you won't be able to enjoy it. Mm, I relate to that so hard. (laughs) Yeah, if you're suffering from it, you're like, you don't give yourself permission to be like, no, I deserve happiness because you're out there trying to earn it. As opposed to like, no, it's my inherent value as a human that allows me to be joyful and to appreciate all that I have created for myself. So I really appreciated that as well as he offers insight into people you would think have really high self-esteem who in fact are really like, because there's two different sides to it. And I think honestly, me and my former partner were perfect examples because he also talks about how like in a relationship, you're going to pick somebody who has the same level self esteem as you. And so I was like, oh, well, I feel like somebody would look at the two of us and think one of us has a much higher self-esteem. But in reality, like I was just the meek, passive, can't stand up for myself, low self-esteem. And he was like the boisterous, egotistical, over the top self-esteem, but that's just a crutch and a cover for very, very low self-esteem. Yeah, (laughs) that totally makes sense. Well, and what you said earlier about people who maybe seem like they have a lot of self-esteem, I definitely, the older I get, can recognize that in myself a lot because I was always told when I was growing up and in high school and in college and early on in my career, like, oh, you must just have such high self-esteem because I'm really outgoing and I'm really energetic. And we've talked about this so many times, but I'm like an achiever. Like I have to, I place all of my self-worth on achieving things. And I remember people saying that to me and being like, I don't know if I get this whole self-esteem thing, but I don't feel like I really have it. And it just goes to show you just because, yeah, somebody's doing all of these things or achieving all of these things does not mean that they feel good about themselves. And I can at least speak from my own experience and that a lot of times for me, when I am really trying to achieve a lot of things or accomplish a lot of things, it's coming from a place of very low self-worth and just being like, I don't value myself. I don't have any faith in myself. So I'm trying to like overcompensate by doing all the things in the hopes that it'll make me feel better, which I know now it won't, but it was definitely like when I was a teenager, you know, with low self-esteem being like, well, if I just run for every single... like leadership (laughs) position in high school, then maybe I won't feel terrible all the time, you know? So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. It is fascinating. It's fascinating how it manifests because for me, it was like, maybe if I just show off my body a little (laughs) bit more, then I will feel good about myself because men will want me. I will be loved. And that was a quick path to a lot of sadness. Yeah. Didn't work out very well. Right. It is so wild though, how it's like the same you know, root thing can, to your point, manifest in really, really different ways. And I think that that's also really important for us to understand about each other so that we can be compassionate to one another is like, yeah, your low self-esteem, my low self-esteem, your ex-partner's low self-esteem, 
all show up in really, really different ways, but they're all equally super valid. Yeah. And there is a better way and it is possible to build up your self-esteem through things that actually build your self-esteem. And that, again, I will reference this book because he breaks it down into six pillars and he has what I think that when he dives into them, just like this all makes sense to me. And these are all things that I've practiced through my recovery. And I'm like, oh, that's why I start to feel better about myself because I'm practicing these things. And those six pillars are the practice of living consciously, the practice of self-acceptance, the practice of self-responsibility, the practice of self-assertiveness, the practice of living purposefully, and the practice of personal integrity. And I was like, if you break all these down and you can figure out how these show up in your life in ways you might not be. And it's like, it's so subtle. You truly don't understand that like when you tell somebody you're going to be there at five o'clock and you show up at 515, guess what? That's a ding on your self-esteem because you're showing yourself that you can't be trusted to stick to your word, which mind you, if you message them, hey, can we make it 515? I know I'm going to be late. Like life happens. So like there are ways to kind of make it okay, but it really is these little things that you're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. But guess what? It's not fine because you are lowering your self-esteem each time you do those things. Yes, that's so true. Well, and I think you just brought up something and I know I've seen you post on Instagram about this, but you just brought up something that I didn't learn about until like after I was done with school, but it's just about how procrastination can often relate to low self-esteem and people being scared of their own success or basically self-sabotaging, right? So like holding something off because they're uncomfortable or a variety of reasons rather than just committing to getting it done. And when I started learning that from like my psychiatrist, I was like, oh my God, this is why I procrastinate. It has nothing to do with like poor time management. Yeah. Intelligence, time management, um, laziness. It's totally like tied up in like a self-worth, self-perception thing. So do you want to share a little bit more about that? Because I know I feel like everybody has some procrastination in them. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And really it's something I've had like brewing inside of me, this like video that I want to create to talk about procrastination because I feel like there is again, such a misconception. And now there is a lot more research showing that it's more of like an emotional regulatory problem. So when you put something off, it's either because the task is too large and you don't think you can achieve it. The task is too confusing and you don't feel smart enough for it. The task is there's a million reasons why you will put something off and it's not usually because you don't have the time for it or the skills yeah or yeah and so uh, I, I mean I was a master procrastinator of like everything in my entire life it's why I did not live my life for many many years because I was like I'm just gonna put off doing anything meaningful until I find a man and then I was like oh my god Stacia guess what you don't need a man to have a meaningful life and it's just uh, I think uh, Again, the more I understand about self-esteem and high self-esteem and low self-esteem, it really is interesting how they all correlate to correlate, correlate, how they all, (laughs) how they all relate to each other and uh, that procrastination 
if anybody out there is having something that they're putting off. I mean, even think about fitness and health. And when people like start a new fitness program and they put off doing the exercises and they put off actually following through with the program, guess what? It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they don't have the time. It is because they have some, there's something else going on, whether it be they've taken on so many different programs and they've never followed through. So they don't believe in themselves. So they're like, what, what is it for me to try again? And there's so many things that go into it and like understanding that there are things you can do to help so that you stop procrastinating and putting off those things that are going to improve your life and change it for the better. (laughs) I'm giggling to myself because I can totally relate to what you're saying. So when I very first started working with you as a personal trainer, as you know, I was like the most out of shape I've ever been in my life because of car accident and just all of these things that I kept putting off reaching out to you because I was like, I'm just going to like get in shape and then I'll reach out. Like, and I was like, Lizzie, that makes no sense to wait (laughs) to start working with a personal trainer for when you're like in better physical condition, like the whole point of working out with somebody. But it's like, I I totally get that of like, well, I'm just going to wait until X, Y, Z. And it's like, I don't want to deal with all the hard stuff or the discomfort, but I'm just giggling because I feel like you just unintentionally very much called me. (laughs) Yeah. I, when I was working at um, the TV station, which I know I've mentioned on this podcast before, I worked with this girl who's become one of my best friends and her and I were actually both rowers in college and we have very similar personality traits and we were both kind of working through our own procrastination at the same time. And her therapist, we would always like tell each other what our therapist would say because we're like the same person. And her therapist was like, you know, for some really high achievers procrastination can come because your self-worth is so tied to your self-esteem is so tied to achieving and that you become like paranoid and terrified that you're not going to be able to do something perfectly. So then you just won't even allow yourself to do it. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, fuck, (laughs) you know, but it does totally go back to self-esteem. And again, like tying all of your self-esteem into your results and what you can do and not do. And we're all worth so much more than that. And I think also you make a good point kind of with the whole, oh, I'll wait until I'm in shape until I reach out to a personal trainer. And I think a lot of low self-esteem comes from perfectionism, which perfectionism is tied into a lot of other systems besides just low self-esteem, like white supremacy. It's a fantastic tool for that as Mm -hmm. well as Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways. Yeah, it has a lot of insidious qualities. Perfectionism does, but that's another thing that keeps you from getting started on something because uh, you think you need to be perfect to start and that's a lie (laughs) totally or that like like I've heard this analogy a lot when people are maybe having some sort of health problem or they're nervous about their health but they're like they wait to go to a doctor because they're like well my doctor is going to tell me to lose five pounds or whatever so I'm going to lose five pounds and then I'll go to the doctor or something and it's like you're just putting off all of this stuff and also putting it in your head that you somehow need to be in a certain state to be deserving of healthcare, which I mean, I know we live in America, but come on guys. <laughs> and I know that we live in a very fat phobic America. So for people living in larger bodies, that is like an unfortunate reality it that is. your doctor may not actually look at what is happening for you and just assume it's a weight thing, which is yeah. 
frustrating. Which is so (laughs) frustrating. So what else, Stasia, have you learned in reading this book and in your own self-esteem, I guess, research, deep dive, if you will, that has really blown your mind or that you feel like people could benefit from? I think one of the most important messages and takeaways that I've gotten from this and through my own building of my self-esteem is that every single human on the planet has the ability to build up their self-esteem because self-esteem isn't how much money you have in the bank. Self-esteem isn't how you look. Self-esteem isn't what you accomplish. Anybody has the potential to follow these principles and build a life for themselves where they are building up their self-esteem. And unfortunately, like a lot of this book refers to how your childhood was and how that can set you up either to have a higher sense of self-esteem or a lower sense of self-esteem. And so there's a lot of people who grow up without the like stability, care, love and things that are required in order to have high self-esteem. That being said, it's not necessarily a like 100% indicator that if you grew up in a chaotic whatever household, you'll have low self-esteem. Like anything is possible. Environment is only or nurture versus nurture versus nature. <laughs> um, I think they both kind of come into play when it comes to self-esteem and like the environment and culture. Like I know that for me, culture had a huge impact on my sense of self-esteem and where I thought my self-esteem came from. And so realizing, I think I see it so often, I feel like in social media and things like, oh, just like manifest and raise your vibration and Mm. you will attract all these things. And it's like, but but how? Like nobody is showing you actually how to do that. It's like, oh, well, you just have to like positive vibes. Yeah. (laughs) And like raise your self-worth. And I'm like, okay, but how do you do that? And like, no, it's not through getting Botox and a tummy tuck. Like that's not how you're going to raise your self-worth. Society's going to try and tell you that's how you raise your self-worth, but you got to like shut down the advertisements because it is not something that can be bought. It is not something that can be obtained through what you purchase and own for yourself or through what you do in the sense of like what you accomplish, because it is something you do. Self-esteem building requires action. That's something that is also super important because I like think for a lot of my life I didn't live a very action-based life it was a very passive life and so understanding that it is through action that I actually you learn things you whether it's good or bad you learn things about your life you learn like oh like now now that I've built a higher sense of self-esteem for myself when I do something that is not in integrity with myself I recognize it right away yeah it probably feels terrible yeah so I recognize recognize it as it's happening. Whereas before I had no awareness, like, oh, this feels icky because guess what? It's important for you to be in integrity with yourself, even if it's something super tiny. I'm like, oh, actually that didn't make me feel good. So now moving forward, I'm going to be sure to like be mindful of that next time it comes up like, oh, this is an integrity. This is in alignment with me. And something my sponsor always says and has said throughout our relationship in sponsorship together is that no matter what, I just always ask myself, like, am I in integrity with myself? And to understand if you are in integrity with yourself, you also have to understand your values and your morals and your beliefs and be willing to look at them honestly, because people are really good at lying to themselves. Yes. And that's when you get a disconnect 
and your self-esteem suffers. So it's like it all requires brutal honesty with yourself and you having to face yourself, which can be really terrifying. And not many people, a lot of people don't necessarily have the tools in order to do that. I'm just trying to find the name of this author. So a couple months ago, I want to say it was like in the summer, I read a book called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. And it's all this concept like just of integrity and how it relates to everything else that you're saying but he gives all of these incredible examples of people who have integrity or are acting with integrity and people who do not and it's it's so powerful and it's so impactful and he gives all of these examples of organizational integrity and situational integrity and it it just relates a lot to what you're saying and I think that also educating yourself to your point on what integrity is but also your own personal integrity is is so important because like you said like what I believe in is right for me may not be what you believe is right for you but you'll not you're not going to feel like your most grounded best self if you don't take the time to really investigate your own personal flavor if you will of integrity so I just wanted to share I love that you were talking about that Hi, you guys. Stacia and I are so excited to share that we now have a Hey, You Got This podcast newsletter that you can sign up for. The link is in our show notes as well as our Instagram bio. And by signing up for our email list, you will be notified every time a fresh episode drops. You will get extra show notes and details from each episode, along with some other fun and exclusive pieces of content from Stacia and I. Thank you so much for your support, and we can't wait to see you in your inbox. So Stacia, you know, you've done all this awesome work and learning in regards to self-esteem. And I'm just curious if you could share how you think all of this information relates to wellness. That is a very good question. I think truly at the core of wellness is self-esteem. And I think how can one truly be well if uh, they don't hold themselves in high esteem? And I think that one of the gifts of self-esteem is that it doesn't cost anything. It is available to anyone. And so it really is, in my opinion, something that is accessible to anyone, which I think is a really awesome aspect of it. And from that through building your self-esteem, you're more inclined to do other activities that add to your wellness. And so for me, it's really the foundation that once you've built upon it, you have this super awesome, strong foundation with which to improve your wellness through all these other amazing things. Because when I think of somebody who's struggling to start a fitness routine or somebody who's struggling to stay consistent with eating foods that make them feel good, that when you start to go towards the root, of what is causing all of this, often it is an issue with self-esteem. And so I really think it is the fertile soil with which all other wellness things grow. And it's why I Ooh, that think was it's a so good important. quote. <laughs> I Thank love you. that. You mentioned that it's really accessible and that like any, sorry, the dogs are like, oh, it's party time. <laughs> you mentioned that it's really accessible and that anybody can, you know, start this work and do it. And I also was kind of getting from what you were saying that it is something that theoretically people could start working on for free or without a ton of resources. So how would you like say somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I know nothing about my self-esteem. How would you you suggest that they start like investigating their own self-esteem and maybe start working on this? 
That is a very good question. And I feel like I have a few ideas because, again, I am just now like doing a bit more research on self-esteem. Being in a 12-step recovery program, which has the goal of building self-esteem, has been really incredible. And honestly, the way the 12 any 12-step program is set up is when you actually work the steps you are working on building your self-esteem. It doesn't even necessarily have to be for codependency recovery, but the way the steps are designed are really, really helpful when you actually work them. So that has been a really awesome tool for me to hold me accountable to the work that I want to do and building my self-esteem. There are so many different 12-step programs and support groups out there that again are free. And when you find one that resonates with you and you work the steps, that's an amazing place to go. I also also think I haven't started this yet, but in the self-esteem book that we have linked, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, the author who is a psychotherapist, ha- is that what you say? Is it a psycho? Psy- yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a psychotherapist. Like they crazy. I'm a psycho. <laughs> Therapist. I'm so crazy. <laughs> anyway, so uh, who has dealt with helping clients build self-esteem? And he does these sentence stems. You do these 10-minute exercises in the morning where he starts off a sentence and then you work on sentence completion. It's like you're not supposed to sit there and like think about what you're supposed to say or should say. It's more of like a stream of consciousness. So the stem can be integrity to me means. And then you're supposed to do six to 10 sentence completions for that. And then if I look at instances where I find full integrity difficult, and then you finish the sentences and he has like a 31 week program. And I'm really intrigued to start doing some of these sentence completions, because I think based on what I I know through what I've done to build my self-esteem, I think a big barrier is that people don't necessarily know how to have the awareness and to be fully honest with themselves and their situation. So when you're answering these word stems and completing them and you're allowing kind of your true honest thoughts to go onto the paper and then reflect on them, it really, I think, can be a super powerful tool. So again, I have not tried this, but based on what I know on psychology and the work that I have done, I'm like, wow, this actually seems really doable. And again, it's like he's, it's like a 10 minute exercise exercise in the morning. And I think that it has the potential to be really powerful. So I'm excited. I'm hoping to begin it and to kind of share how it's going and what it's like. So definitely look for that because maybe you'll find that it's something if you're listening that you would want to give a try because I think, again, from building a solid sense of self-esteem, just really there's so much more potential for other great things to come into your life. So those are some of my tips. But Lizzie, I'm curious. I know you had kind of looked at some resources and things about self-esteem and ways to build it. And I'm curious what you found. Yeah. I mean, so I found this test. It's basically a test where you can assess your baseline happiness. And then it kind of tells you like things that you're good at and things that maybe you need to, oh my God, I'm being attacked by dogs today. Things you need to work on and then like your your natural skill sets. So it's rather than being like, what am I good at? I don't know. You take this assessment and it basically tells you like, these are your core 
kind of strengths. Like my number one strength and my authentic happiness score was kindness, which I thought was really interesting. So it was like to feel a little more self-esteem, like these are the things that you're really good at. And we recommend like, you know, use this report and then try to find a little bit of time to do the things that you are naturally good at every day, because that helps you feel better about yourself. But it also you're offering like your goodness to other people. I will link it in the show notes. I thought it was just like so cool. And then you can also, there's an additional test you can take along with it that will give you kind of a rating for your overall well-being and that includes like positive emotion relationships meaning and I really like stuff like that because I think sometimes with self-esteem or mental health you know you can just look kind of on the surface level and be like yeah I have great self-esteem and I liked having something a little more tactical where it was like this is your score and this is what we've noticed so I have found that to be really helpful as you know Stacia I'm a big journaler so I also just kind of started looking up like self-esteem journal prompts or like connecting with the self journal prompts. And it's kind of like the writing things that you just mentioned that he had. I think sometimes with journaling, people think that it's like, how do you feel? But it is really these more specific questions that people are asking, like the ones that you mentioned where you are taking the time to investigate yourself. And I think having some guided prompts or questions like you were sharing to actually force yourself to sit down and work through can be really helpful for that like investigation piece. And then I always try to do, which my therapist has taught me how to do, just like a little touch base with myself of like, how am I feeling? Okay, I'm feeling like tired. You know, for example, is that like a physical manifestation of like an emotional thing I'm having? Okay, if it is like, where is that coming from? And really just like letting myself feel whatever it is and investigate the feelings and just accept them as they are not being like, oh, it's bad that I feel like this or good that I feel like this. That's been really helpful for me. And in my own experience with self-esteem, I feel like the more that I take the time to get to really know myself the better my self-esteem is because you just kind of understand who you are more than who you, like you were saying, who you should be, which I think is really, really important. I love that. And I think that also within this book, truly guys, you you have to read this book. It's so good because- I know, I'm so, I added it to my Audible (laughs) list. (laughs) Because as he breaks down the six pillars, you get a super thorough look inside what it means to live these six pillars. And so for like what living purposefully entails, it means taking responsibility for formulating one's goals and purposes consciously, being concerned to identify the actions necessary to achieve one's goals, monitoring behavior to check that it is in alignment with one's goals, and paying attention to the outcomes of one's actions to know whether they are leading where one wants to go. And I think about in my life when... I wasn't aware of any of these things and my life didn't really progress or move forward in any meaningful way and there wasn't any type of meaningful growth. And so reading something like that and even seeing now that being honestly a big area that I can improve upon, like, oh, actually paying attention, like, hey, is the way I'm showing up on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis actually taking me closer to where I want to go? And I think that that's where this all ties in lovely to mindfulness, because it requires you to pay attention to your actions and the effect of your actions and how they impact your life, and to pay attention to what you are doing and knowing that each action, I don't want to say has a consequence, but that with 
every action, there's an equal reaction. Like it's all tied together. So when you are living purposefully and being mindful of how it all adds up, then I can imagine that that is something that helps to build your self-esteem and you're able to accomplish the things you actually want to accomplish, whether that be, again, it's not like we all need to be super productive. I'm trying to get away from the fact that like, it's not that productivity is what's going to be what builds self-esteem, but even just that idea, because maybe living purposefully for you means taking two hours to knit that day for your hobby and for doing these things, because that's going to take you closer to your goal. So I think it is something that's really individual and that it's not necessarily about like setting goals for success and setting goals to like take over the world, that it really can be something small that's meaningful to you and that that's what's important. Right. And I do think like you and I talk about this so often but when you do take time to do things just for yourself that aren't like achievement based it's you end up being able to achieve more in the long run anyway when you're not focused on all of that stuff all the time so I think that's really important my last question for you and I think I know what your answer is going to be but do you believe that you can have true deep wellness if you have really low (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem I Finishing on a light note. (laughs) Well, I think in this book, he makes a really good point that you can fake it to yourself to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, it's about being able to sit back and enjoy what you've created for yourself. So I think without self-esteem, you're going to be constantly striving, whether that be striving to get this acceptance from that other person or get that love from this other person or get that promotion. And you're always looking for what's next and what's more. And so there's not much contentedness in that. And so being able to like sit back and be like content with what you've been able to achieve for yourself, I think is something that's possible through self-esteem. And uh, I don't want to say that, no, you can't be well if you don't think you're an amazing human being, because I think self-esteem is something we all really struggle with and at like varying levels and varying degrees. So I just think it's something to be mindful of and to pay attention to and to learn how you can start to build your own self-esteem because it really comes down to the daily action. I think of the holistic psychologist and how she does the small daily promises. And so it's just taking something really small and that helps to build trust in yourself. And like when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And that's the integrity aspect. And so it's not like the other day I was thinking about how you think that you have to change the way your body looks, but you really just have to change how you look at your body. So it's kind of the same idea that you have to, (laughs) you don't have to change anything about yourself. Like you are perfect and beautiful and whole and worthy as is. It's not that you need to do something to then be worthy of self-esteem, but it is about aligning your values, beliefs, integrity, living purposefully, all these things that are available to you. And that's just going to improve and increase your wellness. And I think that it's something that I'm excited to talk more about because I don't think there is enough good information out there. And I know I wandered around lost for so many years. And if I had had a better understanding of, oh, every single time you do this, you're betraying yourself and you are lowering your mm. self-esteem. And I had no idea. I was like, why do, oh, why do I hate myself? Um, and then learning what I'm learning now, it's like, oh, because I was saying one thing, 
but then allowing myself to act in a different way. And that does not make one feel very good. And so I'm excited to see how also integrating this work to help clients on their journeys so that they understand maybe why they're struggling to get started on a workout program and setting attainable goals for them so that it all lines up for them. I think that they're like self-esteem really does tie into wellness in so many beautiful ways. And I'm excited to explore more so how it does. Cause again, I feel like I'm just now understanding more about it and I'm like gobbling up all the little nuggets that I can from it. But self-esteem's important, guys. <laughs> it's so important. I know. And I just I love this because I think that we talk about mental health support and mindfulness and all of these things, but we haven't really touched on before this episode how that like all of that is leading towards better self-esteem, which just like makes you feel better about so many things. And it's sort of like that quote, I know we've talked about it before, but it's like you can do all of this stuff and yeah like you can be meditating all the time but if you're not really taking the time to do your like deep deep work of like therapy or getting to know yourself or improving your self-esteem or whatever like it's I'm not gonna say it's a waste because I think taking care of your physical health is really important but it is just like you're really only scratching the surface of what is possible but I think that's it's really common to go all in and like get obsessive about wellness from like the external perspective but to be like like I know sometimes when I talk about mindfulness and therapy people are just like shut up and give me a workout like this is so annoying you know but um I do think it's really important I think so too and I really like that point and I think that things like self-esteem and wellness and meditating and mindfulness and taking care of our physical health and all these things really do just complement each other so when you start to improve your physical health, you can start to build your self-esteem and then they kind of build momentum and bounce off each other. And so it's not just like, okay, I just need to focus on building my self-esteem and do nothing else. There's totally. other elements of your wellness that you can be working on that are going to help build your self-esteem and vice versa. So they really complement each other well. That's so true. Yeah. And I just remember like when I very first got into yoga before I'd started seeing like any sort of mental health professional, like the messaging was like, do more yoga, do more mindfulness. And this was also keep in mind, like almost 10 ish years ago. So I think our just like general conversation on mental health was really different at that time. But it was a lot of like, if you just do all of these like check mark things, then you'll feel better. And I think that's only helpful to a certain extent, right? Like I was doing so much yoga, I was meditating or trying to meditate. And I was like, I still didn't feel better. And then I started getting mental health support. Ooh, was that thunder? It was supposed to storm today. <laughs> ah! So loud. Yeah, it's just like once I started actually doing this deep work that's a little more uncomfortable and also like so much less tangible, like we've talked about so many times before, that's when everything started getting better. I think that is so important. And doing the inner work, you guys, is not to be underestimated with how powerful it can be and that you are worth investigating and taking the time to get to know mm -hmm. yourself and even though it can be really scary it is so so worthwhile I wouldn't have it any other way in spite of it being very challenging and emotional at times totally it's just getting to know myself and build my self-esteem is a lifelong journey and one that I'm excited to be on hey yeah and I do think you know we've talked I feel like we say this in every episode but it is one of those things as you're doing it that you're like oh this is taking so much time and like what is this actually doing what is this actually providing but it's it's like slow and steady and then when you really need it all those skills show up 
Stacia, you have like two really big yays. I do indeed. It has been quite the week. I would love to. Yeah, Stacia's having like the most epic week of her life. You're going to look back on this time and be like, how did I do that? Uh, Yeah, I just got goosebumps. So my big yays are, I thought that they're, I mean, the week has unfolded unpredictably in a beautiful, beautiful way because I thought my big yay was going to be the fact that I got a van and then lo and behold, a few days later, Junebug came along and trumped that yay. And so I have my van for my conversion and getting started on that, which is amazing. And then I also was able to adopt sweet little Junebug on Mm. Sunday and she is just melting my heart every day. Sometimes I just look at her and want to cry because I don't know how I got so lucky and we are having the best time together. (laughs) Tell them what you were saying about her like playing chase by herself (sighs) earlier and you getting emotional because I thought that was like I feel like every pet parent can relate to that. Yeah, it was really sweet. I was uh, sitting there and she had grabbed one of her toys and she kept throwing it and then going to fetch it and throwing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like, seriously, it even gets me now. I was like, is this because she didn't have anybody to play with? And so she learned how to fetch for herself. (laughs) This breaks my heart because she was a stray who was picked up. And so like, I don't know the life she's had. And so to see just like her personality and how she interacts with the world, I just start like wondering all these stories about where she's been and what she's (sighs) seen. And Sometimes I get just really sad, but she is so, so sweet and so perfect, guys. And really, truly, all this time I thought I needed a man. All I needed was a dog. I'm good. <laughs> that is like, I wish I could just tell everybody that. <laughs> get, a, get a pet first. Really, That's really truly. Like, they will teach you unconditional love. Pets are, I mean, the greatest. Dan is sitting off to the side because our dogs are being really obnoxious. So I asked him to come in and... I know he's going to roll his eyes when I say this, but like, this is really depressing. But sometimes I look at our dogs and I get so emotional about the fact that like when we're old, they're not going to be alive. Really sad. Because dogs don't live, you know, human life. They don't live like (laughs) as long as humans. And I have gotten to tears about it multiple times. And Dan is always like... <laughs> like we will have other dogs, but I'm just like, but Maxie, who I got when I was 23, isn't gonna be in a retirement home with us, and it's just so depressing. And Ugh. yeah, pets are the greatest. I can only imagine that I I haven't gotten into that train of thought yet, but I know it will come, and you I will, will get Don't very worry. sad. Okay, so I, it's 2020. I got Maxie in 2013, and so I've like had her for my entire adult life. Like we've grown up together. And I just think about it a lot and I just get so emotional about how quickly our time is passing together. Uh, And uh, then I just get like super upset and I'm like, you have to come snuggle me. And she's like, leave me the fuck alone, you psycho. (laughs) (laughs) I know, they don't understand what we are going through when we look at them and I think vice versa. Yeah, I'm like, can you just love me as much as I love you? That's all I'm asking. (laughs) Exactly. So dogs are great. We love our dogs. And I really, just to tie it back to the topic of self-esteem, I honestly like sit here with a bit of pride because uh, none of this would have been possible without me doing the work to build up my self-esteem. I would tell you before, making a commitment for me was 
not something I could do. I was not something I trusted myself enough to do. It's why I've lived in like four different states in the last 13 months. It's why I had a cardboard box for a nightstand because I didn't think I was going to actually live in Vegas. And four years later, I still never bothered to get one because I was afraid to commit to a nightstand, you guys. And so I really think that uh, this work has made me able to create the life that I want for myself possible. And it wouldn't have been possible without my 12 step program, without my recovery and without doing the work to look at myself and build my self esteem. So this is the real deal. You guys, this is where life happens (laughs) so much. And I would love to hear your yay for the day, Lizzie. Yeah, my yay for the day. I feel like this is just like the theme for 2020. But when this year started, I was like, I'm going to transition out of teaching like as many fitness classes and make a shift. And then everyone's been stuck at home. And I've been feeling really like, what do I have to offer people that will make them feel better? And, you know, we have Zoom. And so I have started teaching classes online again. I taught a really fun class this morning and a bunch of people from like different corners of my life showed up and it was just really fun. And I have been realizing that, you know, if this was quote unquote normal times, I probably wouldn't be teaching as much, but, and it wasn't my intention to, but it has been really fun to be teaching and getting to like create a space during a time that is so hard for so many people to be like, show up on your mat, no judgment, like you're in the comfort of your home. You don't even have to like drive anywhere and to hold that space for people. So I've been really enjoying it. And I actually, I'll link it in the show notes, but I put together last night, like a schedule that I'll have. That's like a landing page. So everyone can sign up for class in kind of a more like organized way. So it's not like scrambling to get people their zoom links and like random Venmo things. So it's one of those things I remember very, very early on when I started teaching yoga, seeing people teaching yoga online and being like, I could never do that. That's so serious. And I did it this morning and I just had a moment of like, Oh, Lizzie, this is what you like dreamed of being able to do one day. So like I said, it's not how I intended to be spending my time or my year, but it's been a really nice pivot and it's been a really good like part of myself to reconnect back with. And I have to say, Stacia, so much of my like reinvigoration of my love for fitness comes from working out with you and how you've taught me to not put such high expectations on like my, you know, like my workouts don't need to be 90 minutes. They can be 30 minutes. And I've told you this a million times, but you really helped me like find my strength in my body again. So thank you. I appreciate you. I love everything about that. Thank you so much for the kind words. And I think that that is so awesome. I feel like I see you taking that energy and putting it into how you're showing up for people in a really meaningful way. And it's really awesome to see. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about how like this this time is hard because you're like, I want to help. We all want to help people. But then I think a lot of times we're like, well, I don't have like a political background or political knowledge. So like, how can I help people? And I have had to realize that like I can help people by offering mindfulness and wellness resources. That's where my strengths lie. And like Mm -hmm. I can offer, you know, people help by advising them on their businesses. And that's still providing for like this greater good. I don't have to be like, I am very politically active, but I don't have to be like a lobbyist to be making a difference. So I love that. And that is something we can all take with us uh, into our days because I know I get overwhelmed and I'm like, ah, and it's like focus on your strengths, how you can show up for your community 
in any way, whether big or small, because I think we all get this overwhelming sense of like, we need to fix the world. And really, it starts with us and little things we can do and showing up for the world and ourselves is important. So Mm. right on, Lizzie. So true. (laughs) And next week, guys, we'll be going over our September book club read which is the body is not an apology by sonia renee taylor i know you guys are all gonna love it it's basically like everything that we talk about times a million she's amazing so that is linked in the show notes below and on our instagram and on our website if you'd like to buy it or rent it from your library and we can't wait to chat about it with you And thank you so much for listening to our conversation on self-esteem. I hope that you got something great from this that you can take away and use. And we are always available to offer any support. If you have questions following up to the episode, definitely don't be a stranger. We love interacting with you all. And thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, doing all the things to share us with your friends and your loved ones and putting us in your ear holes. We appreciate you. appreciate you and don't forget hey, hey you, you got this, got this. <laughs> 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 <laughs>